Hello everyone and welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. I'm your host, Ads Lyson. On the podcast today, I have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt under the legend Mauricio Gomez. My guest also runs and owns his own BJJ Academy, Five Rings Grappling Academy in Sheffield, United Kingdom. Not only does he excel in BJJ, but is also a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. Please enjoy my conversation with BJJ black belt and NLP extraordinaire, Paul Cole. Paul Cole, welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast. How you doing, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. You? Yeah, really good, mate. Let's continue what we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. You're going into uh, doing a PT course. Yeah, yeah. Um, next next week, I start a level three PT. Yeah. Um, it just a bit of professional development bit of um it's i found it useful a lot of the uh, anatomy and physiology um things like that um working training routines working um because obviously there's no rolling at the moment um so i've sort of come up with a way of still teaching jujitsu without um grappling dummies because i think they're a waste well pretty much a waste of time you may as well just do it on a, a tree trunk or something like that. You've got no feedback <laughs> or anything, yeah. you know, like they, they just don't move. And even if they are even flexible, they're, they're not in a position that you'd ever be able to do anything with. I think they're all right. If you're just kind of doing like some mobility stuff, you know, sort of like doing a bit of neon belly and a little bit of movement. But like you say, if you're trying to practice, yeah. uh, practice well, any form of technique on it, you do um, you do neon belly, and how often have you done neon belly on somebody that's not moved straight away, or not tried to move straight away, or not been in a movement while you go into neon belly? Yeah. I use neon belly mainly as a, um, which is funny because obviously training with Mauricio, but um, I use it mainly as a transitional position. Hmm. I use it a lot more when I'm sort of just wanting to squash the person on the bottom a little bit. Um, but I use it as a way to, um, stop me getting bridged off mount really easily. So if I'm being bridged off mount, um, I go to neon belly then. And also really just as a transition, if somebody's, um, shrimping a lot inside control, I'll stick the knee on there. So using a grappling dummy for me personally, just, it, well, it wouldn't, I'd be jumping off a position that I've got control of. Yeah, I meant more like um, just practicing a little bit of footwork, you know. You can okay, just, yeah. Practice like a little bit of open guard passing. That's if you've got legs that can stay up and in the yeah. position. And, you know, it's just a little bit of footwork around an immobile object, really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've been using uh, gym balls. Yeah, you know, that's another good one, yeah, yeah. This ball. I've been using them for everything, Um for balance like I've been putting little um jokes up of standing on them and and things like that but um working on different um working on on different movements as you say mobility um pressure you can really concentrate your pressure on them and feel them and the beauty of them is uh, the feedback they give so if you say you're in side control on a gym ball and you switch into a scarf hold or 
um, you know, Keskatami, whatever you want to call it, and you fall off, um, that's your movement that's wrong. That's, you know, you can't, you can't blame it on, oh, well, he's faster than me or stronger than me or anything like that. And the beauty of it as well is that, like, if me and you are training and um, I'm having a slow day or I've not had much sleep or, you know, you're tired from from work or whatever, um, we can mistime things. You know, you know, that thought of, oh, if he does that again, I'm going to get him. Well, like, you can't do that on a ball yeah. because it's 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 got no thought process so it's faster than any human so if you do something wrong you just fall it just rolls um so i've been finding that really really useful yeah, yeah. have you been watching a lot of those videos where guys are like going to the knees standing up and walking along on them a little bit of proprioception working yeah yeah just as a joke so we've got um it's crazy i've got uh, an 11 year old student who he's got really good judo he's got good jiu-jitsu he's strong he's flexible he's is the sort where like he does work hard but he doesn't necessarily have to work super hard on stuff he picks it up well he's been doing it for years so he's got the patterns sort of ingrained and then it's just adding well giving him a ball he's coming up with so many things he's super focused on it i've never seen him so focused but he can um, you can roll it to him and he'll jump on without any hands and stand and squat and then he'll squat down and do backwards rolls off it and all sorts it's insane he was um he was on it last night and he was pinching his feet sorry he's pinching his feet and doing jumps on it the ball's leaving the floor while he's jumping on it it was crazy yeah but um yeah I'm going to get him to like start a YouTube channel or something. Just smash it. Yeah. I mean, if me and you tried that, I mean, we'd be on their ass more times you can count. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm too, um, I'm too scared of breaking something. I think that's the problem. He's um, I'm, I've got the fear and he's just totally, yeah, I'm just going to do it. I've seen him fall off maybe 200 times and he just gets straight back up and does it. I was talking to his dad and his dad says that they've had to take, because he he wanted this gym ball, so his dad bought him one. Um, he's like, we have we had to take it out of his room because it'd be upstairs, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, all you'd hear is, Poof! he's just like falling off. <laughs> it's craziness. Yeah, I can imagine that's quite a echoey around the house, right? I mean, yeah, I, I've uh, I, I I go through fads with stuff uh, much like that. You know, I saw I, th- I can't remember I saw doing it on YouTube. You know, when you get the rounds of people doing like these crazy movements and stuff, I thought, yeah. you know, what? I could do that. So I got, I got the ball out and was like kneeling on it. I was happy with that. And then I was standing up and I was like, do you know what? After a couple of weeks, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> doing this. I'm going to go on to something else. I've now. peaked. Yeah. I've <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've been there, done that. Completed it, mate. Jim ball completed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it just went flat and I was like, ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Forget a pump. No, no. God doesn't want me to do it. It's the universe telling me <laughs> <laughs> not to do it anymore. Mate, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about you. So, um, you know, can you just explain, um, you know, a little bit who you are, um, how you got into jiu-jitsu and, um, um, and, uh, and where the Mauricio Gomez thing came from as well? Yeah, so um, I started jiu-jitsu when I was 16. Um, so last month, that was my 20th year 
in jiu-jitsu. Um, We're on the same timeline, zero. Yeah, I know. I know, but you <laughs> did something productive. I just cuddled people for a hey, while. living out of it, though, right? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I started when I was 16. Um, the reason I started um, was I was a huge WWF fan. I used to love it. And uh, Ken Shamrock was in it. And my cousin, who's also a black belt uh, under Braulio, um, he was going to, we sort of grew up together. Um, we've, we've got a huge family. Um, so my dad had 11 brothers and sisters. There was like 11 kids. It's an Irish Catholic family. Um, nothing good on TV. We sort of joke that my granddad didn't like anything that was on TV. So my nan just got it. Um, but we grew up really close, me and Luke. Um, and we used to have like play fights and he'd get the better of me. Then I'd get the better of him. And we'd like, he's always been stronger than uh, I was. He's like a, he's a dwarf. He's like five, five, four, five, three, five, four. Um, but, yeah, like was benching 120 kilos and he's just, he is an actual dwarf. He's Gimli from uh, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. And, and that's um, coming from you and people like me. Yeah, as well. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyone that makes me look tall is is uh, very small. Or a child. Yeah. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, we'd get the best of, uh, we'd sort of, do things against each other. He'd win, I'd win. And then he went to uni in Nottingham and came back and it was a cousin's birthday, um, like a little cousin's birthday. And we were both there and we ended up having um, a play fight on a, a bouncy castle. And he absolutely smashed me, just killed me. I remember he kimoraed me about eight times and I was like, what is this? This is a, you know... This is insane. Um, and he'd been training with a guy who, again, is also a black belt under Victor now, a guy called Paul Lloyd Davies in uh, Nottingham, who trained Dan Hardy and Mike Bisping back in the day. Like, yeah, this, do you remember? Oh, I don't know if you will remember, but there was a KSBO tournament like years and years ago. And he ran that. It was like the original, um, grappling uh grappling strike tournaments okay. um yeah where bisping used to enter and dan had enter and everyone from sort of that lee remedios used to uh do it and all sorts oh really yeah yeah it was that long ago and um but he beat me up and had told me about these ufcs and and gave me uh, a video that's how long ago it was it was a video um, and it was obviously like UFC one, I think it was one to four was on this video. And I just wanted Ken Shamrock to win because it was there. And even when Hoist was beating him or beat him, everyone says, Oh, I saw, you know, I saw the light and this skinny Brazilian. I wasn't bothered about that at all. I was like, what, what do you mean? Shamrock, Shamrock's lost. What, you know? It didn't do anything for me at all, seeing Hoy smash him. Um, <clears throat> so what I did, again, showing my age in jiu-jitsu, 
after Luke beat me up, I got the yellow pages out and I was looking for anything. So I found some Aikido, some karate, which I'd done as a little kid. So I knew that that wasn't going to do it. And then um, Gracie Baja Birmingham was, was in the yellow pages. So I was like, oh, that guy was Gracie. And I was talking to Luke and Luke was like, yeah, go there. Definitely go there. So I went um, and did about six months of classes. I was the actual whipping boy. I just got battered by, <laughs> I was everyone's warm up role. Yeah. And there was only blue belts at the time, uh, apart from Mauricio. There was uh, Dave, Barry, Rachel, Andy, a guy called Martin Lowe. Um, there was Jag. Uh, and a couple of other guys, um, but I, I was just everyone's warm-up role. Um, and I think Mauricio just took pity on me and also realized that, well, he's taken six months of beatings, so he's probably going to stick it out for a bit. So, um, yeah, kind of I got took under the w- people's wing. But then um, me and Luke got together again and had a play fight and I just annihilated him. Absolutely battered him. Um, So a lot of people started jujitsu for self-defense or for fitness or for anything. I started it because I got beat up by my cousin and wanted to beat him back. That was literally the reason and just found a way of being out the house really. Um, so, so yeah, just trained as, as much and as often as I can, uh, as I could, sorry. Um, used to get chucked into competitions like that were back to back, like judo Nawaza competitions because there was no jujitsu comps. Um, I remember being told, um, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Um, and I was like, nothing. Okay, be at the gym at nine o'clock Saturday morning. Uh, bring a gi. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. What's happening? And they were like, we're just going to go and uh, we're going to go and train somewhere else. I was like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, and actually it was a competition. We took to a competition. They're like, right, you're fighting him and him and him and he's in your category as well. And I was like, what? These are all guys, you know? Um, and I'd been, there was no kids classes, even though, you know, I was only 16 anyway. Uh, so I'd have probably been in the, the guys class anyway. But there was some um, kids ground fighting comps. And I just, that it was ground fighting like a traditional jiu-jitsu ground fight and the judo ground fight. And judo rules, you don't learn any submissions until you're 14 anyway. So I was like 16, being chucked in like the 13 to 16 age category. I'd done nothing but submissions and ground fighting. I didn't know any takedowns at all. Um, And being let into a a ground fighting competition with kids that had maybe been doing it for a little bit of time. Was that the time where in judo you could, um, because now, I mean, I think it's coming back in the submission side of it, but wasn't in judo there was a, there was a time period where there was only a certain amount of time which you took somebody yeah to yeah it's still um it it was 30 seconds and then it went down to 20 seconds and i think it's going back up to 30 seconds but these were uh, ground fighting 
competitions. Okay. So this this was judo guys that were saying, right, we're just doing Nawaza comps. So there will be no starting from standing. You'll be starting from um, back to back. And <laughs> I remember Mauricio, um, we're starting back to back. And what it used to be for the judo guys was they'd spin around and whoever got scarfold first, Kesukatami, would just win. Because you'd get either a standard Kesukatami or a Kazur Kesukatami, but you'd spin round with your arms out like this. And Mauricio went, don't do that. Just spin onto your back with your legs open. And I was like, okay. So I did that. And everyone landed in triangles because everyone's like this. Yeah. I just triangled everyone. And I was like, oh my God, this is, you know, I'm the king of the world. And then um, I fought in a judo ground fighting comp against Trevor Birmingham, who's a judo guy. And also um, he's fought in Polaris and stuff now. He's a black belt yeah. under Alex D'Souza. And he'd done a lot of judo ground work and absolutely battered me. And yeah, I'm the... My personality is... If I get beat up or if I can't do something, I have to learn it. I have to do it then. Um, yeah, I, so I got beat up and that just pushed me to train harder. Um, it was the same in, I had some MMA fights and I had an amateur match against a guy called Shay Walsh who went on to be a Bama lightweight world champion. And before that, my groundwork, I was a purple belt, and my groundwork had just beaten people. I'd just done all right. And Shay <laughs> was just having none of it. He was um, a really good, he, well, maybe not really good, but he was definitely better than me at wrestling. And his tie boxing was much better. And he just leg kicked that absolute life out of me. Um, to the point where I was jumping guard. <laughs> he was kicking me that hard that uh, I was jumping guard. I didn't know how to check a kick. I didn't know how to switch stance. I didn't. All I knew was how to stand there and take it. I think he hit me with about 20 leg kicks, my left leg. And uh, I got out of the ring because it was a ring and threw up over a barrier, literally walked <laughs> out and just went, threw up everywhere uh, it took me about three and a half weeks to get rid of my dead leg I had this dead leg for so long and I was like right I need to learn Thai boxing <laughs> and um, so I went to Wicker Camp because I was living in Sheffield Wicker Camp's an amazing Thai boxing uh, place and they had an obscene amount of champions there so um a guy called Lee Chesters, uh, who was a WMC World Muay Thai champion. I did private lessons with him and I trained in classes and my Thai got all right to where I was doing some interclubs and I was doing all right. And then uh, I was like, right, I'm going to get another fight. So <laughs> I, I got one uh, about a year later, I got one and I thought, right, I, I know how devastating leg kicks are going to be i'm going to build my game around these leg kicks and i'm going to take them down i'm going to you know my groundwork and all this and um we came out i touched gloves 
I threw the hardest leg kick I've ever thrown in my life, ever. I don't think I've ever thrown one harder since, maybe because of this. But I threw it as hard as I could. And I remember throwing it thinking, oh, this feels amazing. And he just checked it, just shin on shin, just looked it, just kept a proper straight face. And I remember I hit him and I remember the noise. I went, <laughs> and then I put my foot down. And I was like, I'm not throwing another one of them. That was awful. Um, so, yeah. But because of getting my ass handed to me in jujitsu and in um, Thai and everything else, I just um, carried on going. And I'm just sort of, I still go and see Mauricio. He still absolutely batters me. Um, I go down to his house and he just beats me up in his, uh, he's got a shed in like a garage. Well, he's got, he lives in a really nice uh, house in Bicester in Oxfordshire. Okay. Um, so I go down to his and he's got, yeah, like a garage shed type thing. And um, he he uh, beats me up. I've, there's a theme of me getting beat up by older people. Yeah. Um, but he um, makes me feel like just an absolute beginner. He says things to me as well, which like doing it for so long and um, being really interested in like anatomy and physiology and understanding leverage and biomechanics and things like that and really reading books on these things really studying as much as I can to feel like I've got a, you know a decent grasp and then he'll just say yeah you need to your hips are there and he'll say it in a way where you're just like well of course that's I'm, I'm stupid he showed me um <laughs> he showed me something like not even that long ago and I've been I've been a black belt for all almost eight years yeah eight years in December got it in 2012 and it was only about a year ago that he showed me that I was holding my clothes guard wrong oh really <laughs> yeah he's like well of course he was talking about getting guard passed and um, he was saying about hip movement and things like this. And he's saying like, you know, you've got to move your hips this way and your hips have to do this. And I was like, well, I feel like my hip movement's pretty good. Like, you know, I, I feel like not, not many people like really just blast through my guard get it opened a lot but i'm like well it's because i'm small so yeah you know i'm holding on and and this and i was like so much like i feel like my hip movement is pretty good and he just turned around and he went well imagine how much better you'll be when you're actually using them properly and i was like okay he <laughs> just like doesn't you know because he's he got his black belt in 81 so he got his black belt three years before I was born. So he says things and I'm just like, yeah, he's right. I just give up, I give up on anything that I think I know and just do what he tells me to do. 
now. Do you find as, you, as you've gone through since you started jiu-jitsu and obviously you're an eight-year black belt now and as, you, as you're going through, there's people that you start you start training with but obviously they they start dropping off the old cliche, you know, once you get to a blue belt, you know, only, what, 90% of the people carry on or whatever. Yeah. But but as, as, you, as you're going along, you start picking these little bits up but you, you think that you're catching up to people that are in front of you. Yeah. So like, you know, even though you're a black belt, and and uh, Mauricio is a coral belt. You're kind of like, well, you know, he was in my my instructor, but you know, I've been training. Let's see if I can train a little bit more than he can per week, and see if we can catch up. Mm-hmm. But he obviously sees such subtle little things in movements and, like you were saying, biomechanics that you wouldn't necessarily see because he's got the experience behind it. Mm-hmm. And and I find that too. I think. You know, I I get to a point where I'm I'm rolling with like brown belts and and and, and my coach down here, Kenny Baker, and I think yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm going to be able to do this. But he then does something so subtle, and you're like, fuck, yeah, what, what's going on? And then before you know it, you're on your back and you fucking tap him, man. You're it's like that invisible Christ. stuff, isn't it? It's that stuff that isn't seen. Yeah, um, Kenny's extremely good as well. Kenny's a very, very, very good black belt. He's very good at jiu-jitsu. For, for, a, um, for a big guy, he's super mo- like super mobile. Like he's, yeah. um, it's almost like his 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 flow is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 well, I mean, it's not like I'm talking like I'm his coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. Um, but I I don't think he's saying anything that isn't absolutely fair. Um, yeah, Kenny's really good. The thing with Mauricio is um, the best way I can explain it is um, he's so the best way I can explain it to you maybe is he's always got the higher ground. So even if he's underneath he's in a position where he can ambush me at any point and and that's the bit that gets lost is the position he's always in the right position and by that i mean not just always in side control or is in neon belly i don't mean it like that i mean it in that um he He's always in a position which puts you or me at my most mechanically weak. So you can sort of think of that as um, if I'm underneath or if I'm on top of side control or half guard, um, controlling your posture is super important whether it be turning your jaw or like pulling your head to the side or twisting your hips a certain way or anything like that, anything that misaligns your spine. Yeah. But he'll do that to you when he's on the bottom. Right. (laughs) He misaligns you where he's in a straight line and you're not. And because of that, it's difficult to do anything. So as well, 
he's got this guard pass that he uses, which goes against all conventional wisdom. So everyone is told the norm is if you're inside somebody's guard, you have one arm, uh, you have both arms in or both arms out. You never, ever, ever go one arm in, one arm out, ever. Well, I've watched him pass amazing people's guard with one arm in and one arm out. Doing it in such a way that makes perfect sense. And then he puts his shoulder in a place as he's passing that you think, so Kenny will do this as well. And it's something that I strive for. And this is the invisible stuff that I'm talking about is that you can watch him roll with, you can watch Kenny roll with somebody or you can be rolling with him and he'll have his shoulder or his pressure or his knee, his, his forearm, his elbow, something somewhere that to you, you're like, this feels different. This is, this is different to the purple belt over there. And the purple belt over there will say, oh yeah, I saw he just had his shoulder in your jaw. And you're like, no, that, that wasn't it. That, it wasn't that I could move my head or I could do, that wasn't where the pressure was or that's not where the focus was. Um, Mauricio has that. He, um, he does, he's got a different mindset as well. So all of his jujitsu is based upon the, like the old school, um, self-defense jujitsu. All of his jujitsu is based upon that. The position first, the safety mindset and, you know, things, the stuff that Hickson's posting up about a lot saying, you know, Hoyler as well, and you should learn the self-defense and the self-defense. Well, Mauricio um, always, I've had him at my school loads of times, obviously, and I go down for privates with him. And anytime I get a private with him, we always, at least for half of it, will go over self-defense because it's that that teaches the leverage and it's that that everything else is built upon. That's the foundation of everything. Everything in jujitsu is built around that. And part of the reason is, is um, all jujitsu is, all it is, is movement. It's just moves that we give funny sounding names to a lot of it. But so when people ask me, how to get better when students say, oh, how can I get, get better? The answer always is you've got to learn to move your body in certain ways, in different ways. So you'll always be restricted by the movements that you can't make, not by what you can. It's like the weak link. The weak part of the chain makes it a weak chain, you know, um, and hips are obviously a massive part of your chain, your posterior chain and your kinetic chain and all these sorts of things. And if you can't move your hips properly, if you've not got the flexibility of movement, then you'll always be lacking. And the reason why I say that is the old school jujitsu, self-defense jujitsu is all 
all about 100% about efficiency of movement. That's all it is. It's just about using movement like as a lever, so as a force multiplier. So the little guy can beat the big guy and not necessarily in bearing bolos or anything apart from like Musumichi is showing that and Kayatera used to, and the Mendes brothers and stuff like that show that, well, yeah, the little guy can beat the big guy, but more so in the, I'm a little guy, but can pick you up because of the efficiency of leverage and movement. So all of Mauricio's jujitsu is based around that total efficiency of movement. And because of that, he knows when you're being inefficient with your movement and he absolutely makes you pay for it to where for me, I'm like, well, yeah, it's not about a fancy technique. It's not about, Oh, I need to learn to keep my feet together or I need to learn to do this or my knees apart or, or whatever it's, I need to learn to be so efficient with my movement that everything else is, is easy or easier um yeah it's it's crazy have you ever been to like a really top physio where or where they'll like press on your shoulder and then say oh lift this and and it becomes easier because they're pressing on there and you're like how's that what you were saying about the um the boeing um the boeing massage yeah you'll know more about that than you know i definitely will where you press a certain position or you put pressure in a certain position and something else is much easier. Well, he does it in the opposite way. <laughs> he puts pressure in somewhere else to, so that everything else is harder. Um, and that's the thing with, with Mauricio's jujitsu is it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and because, <laughs> yeah, saying about like going and trying to work and thinking, Oh, I'm going to, I reckon I can give him a, a, a sweat today. I reckon I can, you know, I'm feeling good and I can do this. He was passing my guard um, in the way that he does with, with this arm in. And I remember the first time I was like, I'm going to triangle him today when he does it. And he did it and I didn't triangle him. And then he worked his way back into my guard. He knew that I wanted to triangle him. So to take the piss, went back <laughs> into my guard and passed again, but this time slower, because that was always his thing. He, was, he would always teach, if you can do something in 10, if you can do something in three seconds, take 20. Because, well, you can do it in three seconds. Just take your time. It's worse. And you like, you drain your opponent. So, you know, like a, an energy bar on a, um, a computer game. You know, you've got your full energy and they're down into the red. He's like, yeah, do that because that's where jujitsu is at its best because you can do whatever you want then and they're that tired. And he used to make us that tired to see who would quit. He'd like see who was going to give up or who was going to keep fighting. Um, and I think I just didn't know any better than to just keep fighting. I was just like wriggly and stuff. But yeah, he does that and his energy bar is just always full. So he was going like back into my guard and squashing me and taking his time and really going slower and slower and giggling while he was doing it the way that he does. If you've ever seen him train with Roger, he's just giggling the whole time. 
he's giggling. You're like, God damn it. Da, da, da. To where I was fighting to keep his arm in my guard. I was literally fighting to stop him putting his arm out. Cause like after the fourth time, I remember saying to him like, yeah, you've made your point. You've, you've made your point. <laughs> but, but it's where he puts his shoulder when he's passing the guard. It's not in a certain way. It's in a position where you'll never triangle him and you feel like you can, but you'll never do it ever, ever, ever. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, um, it's that hidden pressure, isn't it? So what you're saying about where, where you think where, where everyone's watching, or if you're an outsider looking and you think, well, that's where the pressure is there, but it's not, it's the, you know, it's almost like if you, if he's taken, if he's got an arm around your neck and you've got that shoulder pressure going through you, you'd think that his weight would be on the side that his other arm is. Yeah. But it's not, it's like the, it's like where there is no base, but it feels like it's been put through there. And it's yeah. all, it's, it's all like that chess game, isn't it? Where it's the deception that's making you do something so they can get a, so you can get a better position, really. Yeah. So um, if I, I'll explain how he does it because he's, he's not bothered. He's not, um, he's not trying to hide anything. But he'll put his arm, um, rather than behind him like this, he'll put it in front. Okay. Right. So he'll scoop grip in front. And what happens is then you... Um, or somebody will fly up for a triangle, but he knows, he knows that you're going to do that. So he's absolutely waiting for it. And he also knows that if you get your knee, if you get the pit of your knee on his shoulder, you'll be able to cross your feet and then you'll be able to triangle him. Yeah. He knows that. So what happens is you, you fly up for the triangle and actually, he's got his shoulder. He like postures up a, just a tiny bit. It's only like maybe two or three inches. But what happens is, rather than having the pit of your knee on your shoulder, you've got your calf. Right. So, yeah, the calf is there, which, you know, like you imagine the bend of my arm, wherever there goes yeah. over the shoulder, you can collapse. Well, he puts it like here. Where is it? There. So he puts it like in the midline. So you can't even get your, um, you can't cross your feet. If you can't cross your feet, there's no way you're triangling your legs. And he does that. And then rather than rolling you, he folds you. So he comes forward. Yeah, he just pressures. So what he's trying to do isn't to roll you onto your shoulder. It's to put your thighs on your stomach. So literally your hips are like a crocodile's jaws yeah. closed. Like if they're open, bang, they're open. But he flattens them there and then looks at you and laughs. <laughs> it's a good hamstring stretch too. <laughs> yeah, but you like your lower spine is just like, there's no power in the position at all. And he's not being, he's not being super strong. He's not trying to brute force anything. He's just in the perfect position, the perfect position. I pulled half guard on him um, and had <laughs> he was in a position where I was like, oh, I, I'm good. I had the underhook 
I was coming under the leg. So I was like, right, yeah, this is good. And I remember, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm good here. I'm good. I'm going to get his hands to the floor. And once his hands are on the floor, I'm going to his back. You know, this is, I've, I've done this a million times. Um, and he just turned his hips just a tiny degree. And I remember as he did it, I thought, oh, that's uncomfortable. Like for me. And then as I went to move, I couldn't. It was like he'd done like some Kill Bill death <laughs> point in my neck and totally switched the rest of my body off. And then I was fighting just to get back into the position where I, was, I wasn't uncomfortable. And every time I moved, it just got worse and worse and worse to where I was like, this is my, what I feel is one of my most attacking positions. And I'm totally held down. And he's not even got his hands on me. He's literally just using the position. And I'm like diving it. You know, like where, um, say you've got a real heavy deadlift. Yeah. Maybe you've got, um, if you're deadlifting properly, then any movement you make, the first movement you make should bring the bar off the floor. But you see people like jerk first. They're like, yeah. oh, and then lift it. Well, imagine going super heavy, heavier than you can lift, doing that jerk going, and it just not budging an inch. That was what it was like. I was like, there, and him just laughing. And he's told me before, he's like, yeah, you need to know. It's great that, um, that you carried on training and that, you know, you just don't know when to to quit fighting and things but he's like you you need to if it's not worked the third time it's not working and that was the thing i'm like no it's gonna work it's gonna work this time it's gonna work it's gonna work and i'm just laughing and saying paul know when to give up <laughs> there's a point know when to give up um no, it's, it's, it, do you know listen to you talk, <clears throat> talk like this it's uh, and I don't mean this in a derogatory manner, but it's almost like, you know, when you listen to white belts talking about like oh, absolutely. Their, their coaches and you like that. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> and you talking about Brisa and you're like, you know, absolutely. A, you know, a high level black belt as well. You're like, fuck man. Like he, um, as I say, he told me, um, recently that I wasn't, um, holding my guard properly. He was like, you could, why do you let, and this was the thing, why do you let your feet open so easy? And I was like, well, I don't. They're just, people put pressure in and I've only got short legs. I go. And this is another thing. He's seen every type of body, like big, small, fat, thin, wiry, flexible, you know, inflexible, all these sorts of things. He's seen everything. So when he turns around and he says, why are you letting your feet open? I have to question, well, am I letting my feet open? Or am I just in a pattern where somebody puts pressure there, I open them and I go to an open guard or a half guard or, you know, depending on who I'm with. Um, and when I said, well, I don't realize I'm doing it, um, you know, what am I doing wrong? And he's just like, well, you're not holding your guard properly. 
And I was like, I don't know what you mean. And has Kenny ever done it? Like Victor used to do this to me a lot as well. And this is like the hidden stuff is um, you start, you go in the guard and they say, oh, posture, posture, posture. And, yep. and everyone talks, all the top guys talk about posture um, when you're on top. But posture when you're on the bottom is just as important. Um, and my posture was wrong in my guard. So me being on the bottom of guard, me being in my clothes guard, my posture was wrong, which sounds crazy. But when you get the proper posture in a clothes guard, have you ever been with Kenny where you just can't budge him in clothes guard? You try and stand up and it feels like he's 300 kilos. Well, he's about 120 kilos anyway. So, okay. But, <laughs> well, okay. but yeah, it doubles it. Then. Yeah, yeah, half a time. Um, That's good for that. Yeah. Um, where you just can't, you can't even put a foot up. You can't even put one foot up. Never mind stand. And standing is the best. Being on your feet is the best way to pass guard because it's faster than being on your knees. Um, and you can put more pressure in and you've got, you know, gravity helping you more and things like that. But, um, yeah, he's, he was like, well, your posture's wrong. And, um, so I was in close guard and you can imagine say, you know, we're facing each other and I've got my, my close guard on you, but my lower spine, my, um, lumbar spine my pelvis i had a uh where am i going i had a pelvic tilt yep so my lower back was tilted so that my feet were closed and like that and i must have spent 15 years having closed guard like that and he was like well your hips are like this if you shuffle back on your shoulders, your hips will drop to the floor. And what happens then is essentially you're in a squat position, but on the floor. Yeah. <clears throat> so you walk away on your shoulders a little bit and your lower, your whole back from the top of your head, your whole spine is flat to the floor. Well, that's strong. You've got, you've got alignment. You've got a strong spine. You're aligned. You're strong. Um, and then you can just relax with your feet because you're in a you're in a strong position. You're not having to use your adductors as much. So if ever you've tried to hold closed guard, and then when it's been opened or after a round, the inside of your groin is on fire. Yeah, because you're pinching your legs together. Because you're pinching, which is mechanically weak anyway. Yeah. Because you're using what is you're using a hip flexor rather than like spinal alignment or, or leverage you're using what is used to bring your knees together rather than your glutes and your hamstrings, which bring your ankle, you know, cause like knee flexion there. So you're able to, to bend your leg, obviously your quads are in there, but um, so you're able to use that. And it, it made my clothes guard like, I'm not joking five times at least five times 
harder to open to where now if I'm in a, if I want to rest, if I'm like, oh, I pull close guard and I shuffle on my shoulders and my lower back is to the floor and you try and um, stand up when somebody's got that. What happens is you have to lean forwards. So you have to lean forwards to take the weight off your legs to be able to stand up. The moment you lean forwards, you break your own posture and the person underneath brings their knees to their chest and you just topple. And this was something that was revolutionary. I was like, <laughs> I've been doing it wrong. I've been doing it wrong. You're making me just go and grab someone off the street out there and go, like, hey, honestly, <laughs> honestly, do it, do it. And um, yeah, make sure you've got your face mask on and you've washed your hands to happy birthday and stuff I'm, like that. I'm a visor. Yeah, yeah, of course. I might just go full uh, chemical, biological. Yeah, well, you're all right. You've got the kit. You've got the kit. Yeah, it doesn't work. Though. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so he does he does that and i was sparring last time i was sparring with him he was in guard and he was doing this and now i'm fully aware of it so i know that he's doing it and um like it took me about it took me about six or seven attempts to get to a position where i could stand i did stand i managed to open his guard <laughs> and this is how naive i am i opened his guard and in my head I was like, I've got him. And what did he do? Put his feet on my hips. Not, he didn't get, didn't get a collar grip, didn't get my sleeve, didn't get anything. Put his feet on my hips, launched me across the room and stood up. And I was like, that's, that's not fair. He's like, what do you mean? And this is what I mean about like the, the, the self-defense bit. He's like, no, you're, you know, you're not, you're not passing my guard. So like guard. a donkey, so like a donkey kick then. So his feet hit there, yeah, bends them up. Like, you know, if you helicopter armbar somebody, uh -huh. so you've got your feet on the hips and mm -hmm. you hold onto their sleeves or you've got the collar or something. He basically did that. He put his feet in my hips, drew me on so that my feet were off the floor and just hoofed me across <laughs> the room. Didn't kick me, yeah. threw me across the room to where I landed about four foot away on my feet but by the time i'd landed he'd already stood up and i was like well what 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 do i do now <laughs> what can i do back to takedowns literally yeah well i'm not taking him down so i pull guard which is a bad idea so he just squashes me and this is the thing it's always the i thought i had you there i thought and, and he's no no and he, he just like, he's, he's just amazing. He's amazing. He's absolutely. Do you find, such, um, do you find explanations of things as well? So for instance, he's, he's talking about one arm in, one out, one out, one arm out passing or um, your guard is wrong. The way that he explains it, do, do you find, I'm kind of digressing here because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to use Kenny as an example. Because I've had a few co uh, coaches before, and forgive me if they're listening to this, but sometimes I just, um, you, you don't really click with what they're saying. But then you have other guys that are like Kenny, for instance, because, uh, you know, we have a really good rapport. Mm -hmm. And um, when he explains something, it really sort of like sinks in with me. And I find that because, you know, I can... Um, 
I understand more that the way that he's saying that my correlation with, with his explanation sits with me better. I learn better doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I can imagine Mauricio's kind of, kind of like that with you as well, because, you know, he, he uh, he's obviously had lots of experience with, with coaching and teaching over the years in lots of different countries. And he's obviously molded his coaching and, and teaching um, technique to a point where, you know, he can alter it for different people's personalities. Yeah. Um, there's two ways that he teaches. Um, one is in the self-defense and stuff like that. There is a right way and there is a wrong way. And he's very much, no, your hand should be here. No, your foot needs to be here. No, you have to have your hip at this angle. So it's very much yes or no, right or wrong, and he's strict. That's wrong. This is right. Do it right. The other way, so in the rolling, because everyone's different, what Mauricio does, with me at least, which works amazingly, is that he sparks curiosity doesn't tell me what to do and he rarely tells me what not to do but he sparks my curiosity in wanting to do it correctly or efficiently or anything like that and the beauty of that and this is why it works so well for me is because like learning all the the mindset stuff and and all that thing is realizing that um Curiosity in humans always precedes learning. So before you learn something, you're curious about it. And curiosity as well, it's, it's, it's empowering. You're like, oh, it's not confusion. Confusion can be, really, can be a really good teaching tool because that, again, is always confusion whatever you if you're confused by something you'll do whatever you can to get out of confusion it's it's a weird energy and to get out of confusion you need to learn stuff so he does things to me that confuse me because i'm like how did that work and then he sparks my curiosity by saying oh well i didn't do this but did i do this and then asks me questions that force me to get answers because if he just tells me something and this is what i I do with my teaching is again, everyone's different. And the saying of, Oh, well, um, you know, you'll do things differently to me. I'll do things differently to you. You'll do things differently to him. So he makes me curious to how I can achieve that. Cause one thing that I can't ever say to him is, well, I can't do that because I'm smaller. Cause he just doesn't take that as an excuse. He's just, that's bullshit. You, you can, you just not. Okay. Um, so I get a curiosity about he, he sparks that in me. And I really like that because um, it's not just like, right, one, two, three, four, this is how you do it. Do it like that. This is this I've heard of instructors and I know of instructors um that are that way that have a kind 
have an ego that says that they have to be right. And Mauricio doesn't have to be right. And not because he doesn't care, because he cares a lot. He cares an enormous amount. But because he knows that you'll find your own way if you want to. You know, again, everyone's got different games and you might find that what you're doing here isn't what you're going to be doing in two, three years' time and shouldn't be what you were doing two years ago. So everything's a bit of a a phase, as you were saying. Everything's like, you know, cycles of, of things. And, like, he might say something that actually makes sense to four other things that I've been working on. Um, so he doesn't really teach like, oh, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. It's very conceptual um, and it's very um, find your own kind of way because that's the way that you'll take anyway. I think with a lot of that as well, if you're teaching something, um, again, and talking from a, from a personal point of view as well, is that if someone shows me how to do something, say, for instance, let's use a triangle for for an example you know someone shows you how to do a triangle and you do it in a specific way well i have to know why why doing it that way is good to do it and then once i understand the concept of why i'm doing it like you're saying there about your closed guard he was saying to you that you know your closed guard's wrong well why is it wrong well if he explains mm-hmm. to you why it's wrong and you understand that then you can go, then it starts firing inside your head you're like right okay so this is and this is where like your own individual um you know root of how you learn things comes into it if you understand something then you can apply it and then use it for your own purpose yeah you see that's a very different question to me i rarely ask why but i always ask how okay well how can i apply that how is that applicable how will that help me how will that you know apply to other things um rather than well why does this work because i feel at least as a coach um and for my own learning if i have to learn why especially in jiu-jitsu there's so many variables that you'll just get bogged down and then the the actual beauty of jiu-jitsu is it brings upon a flow state doing it you can get into flow relatively quickly so by that i mean a flow state where things are firing you're in the moment which is um what everyone needs right now because everyone's either thinking about the future what's going to happen with this virus am i going to lose my business am i going to do this am i going to do that which is totally necessary but living there is not good for your mental state or they're in the past and oh well i shouldn't have done this and i needed to do that and oh blah and depressed everyone drops down and they're like oh they're they're, they're, there what jiu-jitsu gives people which is why reorg is such an amazing an amazing um charity uh, and such an amazing thing is that jiu-jitsu puts you in the moment when nothing else matters what time is it now 
that it's now and I've got two minutes left. That's it. So um, with that, it's, it's so important to really not be bogged down with the why because that, right, if you say, um, all thinking is really, is it's asking and answering questions in your own head, talking to yourself, well, wh why did I do that? And if you ask, why did I do that? You can get a load of different answers dependent upon your mental state at that time. So if you're in a good mental state and you say, well, why did I do that? Well, because it works. Um, or um, if you're in a bad mental state, well, why did I do that? Well, because you're an idiot, because you're this, because you're shit, because you don't know what you're doing because of this. And then it's like a, a negative pattern cycle. There's a negative, like just, it keeps going and oh, well, of course I'm not. Well, I should just quit. Shouldn't I? Yeah. Why? Well, because you're telling yourself that, you know, you, you sort of, um, your subconscious or the non-conscious part of your mind, brain, whatever, however you want to think of it. Um, it's sole priority is preservation. So, or it's, it's primary objective is preservation is to keep you alive. So if you're doing something that hurts and you ask, well, why am I doing that? well, I shouldn't do it. You're going to get loads of answers of, well, blah, 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 you know, cause you're shit, cause you're small, cause you're this, you shouldn't even be doing it. You should do something, you know? Um, whereas if you ask how, well, how can I make that work for me? How does it work? Well, it, a triangle works by, um, using a shoulder, um, and, um, two points of contact against the carotid artery. You know, if I use the um, leg, if oh, this isn't working for me, why isn't it working? Rather that, you know, you're going to get a million different answers rather than how can I make this work for me? Well, you can make it work and you ask your coach, how can I make this work for me? One, it takes on, um, it's self-maintained. You're taking responsibility for your own learning. And as a coach, one of the hardest things is somebody that, that expects you to teach them. Well, it's your job to teach me to do this. No, it's my job to teach a group of people this. It's your job to learn it. If you're coming in, it's your job to learn it. It's my job to just show things and explain how they work and explain why they would work better in a certain situation and why blah, blah, blah. But if you, if you think about why, you're almost down to a philosophical level. Whereas if you ask how, it's mechanical. You can do something about how. Why leads to a load of questions that can send you down a real rabbit hole and almost stunt your progression. There's your NLP head coming right on there, isn't it? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to get that deep. Oh, no, mate, I, I love it. I love all that sort of thing. It is, it is your own personal philosophy, isn't it? And, yeah. and again, when we're talking about it, it's, it's how people, how people learn and how people are, apply um, and taking that information, process it and use it in the way that's useful to them. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
again using an example of uh, of recruits you know there's a way of we've we've got set lessons or like like for instance jiu-jitsu as well there's you've kind of got your set format of lessons that you want to put out there you then take that lesson and you deliver it in the way that you want to but if you've got 30 to 40 people that are in that room those 30 to 40 people not every single one of them is going to take in that information directly to mm-hmm. what you're saying. So then, you know, as you're getting them to practice or whatever, you're then going around. And if they don't get it, you then have to retune what you've said to what then applies to them. And I, and I do it lots of, lots of different, different ways. And, you know, like I am saying, there's lots of different ways of learning and taking information on, um, which I think is important for you to realize as a coach anyway, really, mm-hmm. and an instructor. So what you just said then was exactly um, the right thing. Um, the way that you learn something or the way that you teach something, the way that people learn is by taking something that is unknown and linking it to something that is known. So you, you draw a comparison or you make a connection um, so when you were saying like, oh, you make it work, you know, you make it relevant to them. Well, if um, if you're talking to um, an engineer about how to create a frame to be able to shrimp away from side control, they'll get it. If you try and do that to um, somebody that has only ever lifted weight, it's not necessarily going to make any sense to them and this is where coaches really good coaches will go and learn things they'll put themselves in a white belt state they'll go and learn different things that will give them more uh, flexibility in teaching so um, there's a thing called the law of requisite variety which says that um a a person or thing within a system with the most flexibility will end up controlling that system so if we're training jujitsu it would go to it would stand to reason that i have more flexibility within jujitsu than you do behaviorally because of my experience because of the amount of times I've done things because of uh, my thought processes because of all different things so eventually I'm going to end up beating you at jujitsu now we go surfing you've got far more behavioral flexibility than I have so you're going to control that you'll control that system So the person that has experience in a whole load of different places doesn't have to be a wealth of experience, but just enough to understand some principles can apply it or can learn to teach it or, or or can, can teach it in a lot more, um, with a lot more flexibility and the, the coaches with more flexibility are the ones that can teach better because they have more to draw upon. Um, and this is the thing with Mauricio with um, the 
the jujitsu is he has far more flexibility than I do within jujitsu. Um, now, if it came to NLP or building a website or something like that, I'd smoke him. But that's not what we're talking about. So, yeah, as a coach, um, as well, going back onto like the the why question if we're say you're teaching me to surf and at some point i'm gonna get you to teach me how to surf because i want to come <laughs> down and uh, learn no mate i'm back up there in january so yeah okay boots well if i'm saying to you why can't i stand on a board you could probably tell me 30 different reasons for why i'm not standing on this board and maybe 30 is a really low number there might be thousands I, I don't know but if i'm asking you why why can't i do it then you almost have to try to find that for me but if i say to you how do i stand on this board you can give me some clear instructions really easy to follow clear that i can self-maintain because i can follow you know five six steps to at the end of the session be able to stand on a board do you not think the how and why question though sometimes is the same question anyway so if you ask me the question how or why what how can i stand on the board better or how can i stand up or um why aren't i standing up and then like for me if you're asking me that question mm -hmm. like you're saying there might be 30 different answers but what I would do is I would give you one or two things to work on. And the same question would be answered with, with you're the same me instructions. You're giving me instructions on how to do it when I've asked why. But the, <laughs> the answer that I'm going to give you would answer both questions. So, for instance, if you ask me um, why aren't I standing up, well, I would probably say it's because your gravity your center of gravity is too high and mm -hmm. your feet are in the wrong position. So try this. Okay. So, so that's why. Well, that's how. Okay. How, <laughs> why am I doing it? Okay. Well, you're stood up too upright. So you need to bring your center of gravity down, mm -hmm. you bring your feet back, try putting your feet here. Okay. So the, the answer to that question would be the kind of the same. So, there's no right or wrong answer to this. I've just yeah, kind of... no, it's, uh, um, it's a... Uh, it's a bit of a minefield, isn't it? The way that you can answer these. It's like so, open questions as well, isn't it? Well, yeah. Well, again, a question. Um, if, let's say, and this is going to bring about a lot of motivation. So why almost brings about motivational questions and that i don't mean motivational as in yeah go and get it but i mean well why do you want to do it what's your motivation for doing it why can't i stand on a board well why do you want to well i want to because i want to look cool in front of my girlfriend <laughs> if i do that she's going to give me some later oh okay well now we know why we'll figure out how it's photoshop that's where it's at <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly yeah I mean, um, I reckon that's the abs on your uh, backdrop. I reckon that's photoshopped. No, that, that, that's a caricature. 
Is it? No. Yeah, I'm <laughs> after this, then I feel bad about myself. Um, but yeah, again, um, so mechanically, if because it is movement, it's based around hows jiu-jitsu yeah so um asking why do i want to squat and how do i squat are two very different questions and if i ask how do i squat and you say well you want to do it because this that's like well no i didn't ask why i want to squat i asked how to sort of squat so you saying um like have you ever heard of tony robbins yes Yes. Okay. So have you ever listened to any Tony Robbins or read his stuff? Okay. A, a little bit. A little. Okay. So he talks about, um, there's steps to mastery. There's, um, unconscious incompetence. So you don't know what you don't know. There's conscious incompetence, which is, um, you do know what you don't know. There's conscious competence, which is, you sort of know what you know and, and that's about it. And then there's uh, unconscious competence, which is sort of the flow where things are firing off. And then after that is mastery. So mastering jujitsu, you have to master movement. And to master movement, you need to be going to gymnastics and yoga and uh, you need to be hitting the gym and you need to be doing all of this sort of stuff. How questions allow you to go and do something about it um so how do i get better at jujitsu where you you learn to move better and that might be going to yoga that might be to make your jujitsu better might have nothing to do with jujitsu it might be about something else another movement that you know you need to master or or get or whatever um whereas the wise lead me to be like well um how do i get light in this room and this is the thing from robbins how do i get light in this room well you flick the switch whereas if i say well why do i why does electricity work why does it work like that well now i can go and study it but i can study it in the light so what i teach is the hows and then people can go and figure out the whys by themselves. I can give a bit of guidance on it rather than, you know, cause I can say, well, go and speak to this guy or watch this person or um, go and talk to this person or whatever. Um, but when people ask me why I'm always like, well, I don't know why I sort of put it back. Well, why does this work for him and not for me? I don't know. I can tell you how he's making it work and then you can adjust to do that. But if it's not working like that, you need to answer why. And if it's, well, I can't get my hips up. Well, I can't help with that really, unless I'm saying, well, this is how I would get my hips up. This is how I've seen thousands of people before get their hips up. But if your hips aren't working like that, you might need to go to yoga. You might need to go to a physio. You might need to go, but the why is on you. That's not on me. The how is on me. I'm here to show you how and why is so that you can look cool and, um, you know, pull the hot girls. The Which how is. It's all the time. There's yeah. Loads of hot chicks everywhere. 
Exactly. <laughs> um, why do you want to do jujitsu? Well, what I want to do is do this in every photo. Yeah. Everyone loves a shaka. Anytime anyone pulls a camera out, I want to do this. Shaka. Yeah, the awkward one. <laughs> but that's why I want to do jujitsu. How to do jujitsu? Well, you just put your thumb out and your little finger out. Um, but yeah, and I think that's why that we're going back to like the Mauricio thing is he he peaks, he sort of shows me how and then allows me to go off and freak out on the why as much as as I want to. And you're right in the why will bring about concepts um, and the underlying principles. And that's why it works across the board. But if he says, um, say he's teaching a hip throw um, or a choke defense, like a standing choke defense or something, he's very much the how. One, two, three. Because the why is always say that, so that you don't get beat up so that you don't get hurt, so that you don't get this. It's got nothing to do with jiu-jitsu, really. It's got more to do with your own motivations. Uh, so Does that make sense, Rob? No, I spoke no, a load of shit. No, no, it's good. Do you know what? It's like, uh, this is why I kind of wanted to talk to you, because you put something that in practicality not simple but the simple aspect of jiu-jitsu like you get shown something and then you you you're doing it practically you're putting the mental philosophy behind it too um mm. and, that, and that and that's why i mean you know when we first met moons and moons ago i think what well, it must have been like 2000 and 2000 what is it now must be 2015 maybe when you came up to um 40 commando Oh, look at that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I've spoke about this before. I say this a lot on this podcast. I've spoke about this before, but it's true. Um, about you did a little half hour, was it half half hour brief on the NLP stuff about competing, mm -hmm. about whether you're nervous or excited. Yeah. And that has stuck with me for... Um, Oh, till now really okay. because every time um i train because i everywhere i've gone i've set up a matted area and i and i teach jiu-jitsu whether i was a white belt blue belt purple belt now um i've always because i'm interested in it and again it's improving my instructional prowess too awesome. um, you know but every time i do that and i train people to go to do competitions whether it's the royal marines um comps or the inter services or or anything else like IBJJF and all the different competitions we, we talk about mindset a little bit and that always sticks with me um even though you know it was literally like 45 minutes of your time with a whiteboard talking about it and again this is the reason why i wanted to talk to you on the podcast because i knew you'd put the mental side and the mental aspects into it too, which people probably think about, but like you're saying, they probably think about it, but don't do it. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, all NLP is, um, so it's full is neuro-linguistic programming. There's different definitions uh, depending upon who you speak to. So the two co-creators 
didn't agree on what it is because all it is is its language really that sets about certain patterns um so the way that jiu-jitsu is just movement what nlp does so what it does very well is it models excellence or it models behaviors so what it 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 finds people's recipes for things and then it um it builds a process out of them so to do that to create a recipe or to to find a person's recipe there has to be people that are already doing what you want to do, but not knowing how or why they're doing it. They just know that they do it. So it, it was modeled around four, um, four communicators, we'll say, because again, NLP is not language really, it's communication. That's because it's built around the communication model. Um, so there was Virginia Satia, Milton Erickson, uh, Fritz Perls, and then later on, Gregory Bateson. Uh, four people who were masters at communicating. So Virginia Satia was a uh, family therapist. Milton Erickson was a hypnotherapist. And um, Fritz Perls was a gestalt therapist. So how we deal and store time and, and things like that. All were getting amazing results within their therapies but all had very very different methodologies virginia satir was very um precise with her language with the words she used at the times that she used them um and her sentence structure and things like that um milton erickson was very ambiguous as a hypnotherapist and a psychotherapist he was very ambiguous because he would put people into trance and or he would induce trance people go there themselves but um he would offer suggestion so um the beauty of suggestion is that and this is where hypnosis gets away with um the oh well it's ethical is i offer suggestion you chose whether to take it or not there. So in the, uh, the talk that I gave, I offered a, a suggestion that you could think of the process going on in your body as excitement, or you could think of it as nervousness and that you have a control over what you label that. That was a suggestion I offered and you chose to take that. Now, had I have been really specific with my language and said, well, it is this and it is that and went over all of the whys and blah, blah, and it is this and this, that, it probably would have had, you know, 90% of the room going, not for me, it isn't. Whereas if I just offer suggestion, you can take from that whatever you want. Do you get what I mean? And that's no, where that's what NLP really is. Um, is that communicating? It's communicating on different levels so that people will 
get what they need from it. Um, it's a good way of, of wording that because uh, it's not a very good example, but I'll use it. So with this COVID, with this COVID situation, right? So everyone's been told this is what you've got to do. Mm-hmm. And an automatic response to society or uh, as a human being is, I'm being told what to do, and it takes you back to being at school. Mm. If you're in that situation, you can kind of go, well, do you know what? I'm going to rebel against this. I'm being told what to do, so I don't want to do that. I want yeah. to do my own thing. Mm-hmm. But if you're open to the suggestion that, well, this is what's happening, and this is what 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 we could do, mm-hmm. then if it's something that we could do, then you can take from that what you want. Is that what you're saying? Kind of, yeah. Um, I think the thing with um, COVID... Um, There's a bad example, by the way. <laughs> yeah, is the, the problem is is that um, they tried that with saying guidelines. Guidelines oh. are just suggestions, really. And people were saying, well, I don't take that. But we want uh, to tell you what to do. Yeah. And then they've he said loads of times like, oh, I'm not saying that we're definitely going into another lockdown. But if you don't follow what we said to do, we're probably going to have to go into a a lockdown. So people will take from that. And this is where the problem has been is you're giving one message to millions of people. I was stood in a room of high achievers, whether you want to uh, believe it or not, but you've, Anyone that is a Marine, one is a massive hero, but two has worked fucking hard to get there. They've achieved that. The money can't buy Green Beret. And not everyone can say that they've got one of those. Not everyone can say they deserve one of those. So everyone that was in that room is a high achiever with high standards for themselves. You don't, you might get lazier Marines, but I can't see you getting lazy Marines because the whole point is that you fucking, you know, your standards are higher than the rest of, you know, certain military. So when I was in there and I offered a suggestion that, well, you could do this and it's probably better for you, chances are you're going to take the, well, this is better for me, I'm going to do it. You'd be surprised how many people that you could say, well, you know, this and that and, you know, um, well, it could be uh, nervousness or it could be excitement and we'll turn around and say, well, it is nervousness. But that would be down to their own individual mindset as well, though, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, it's the people that will ask themselves hard questions. So, well, how do you know? Well, I just know but how not well why is it well it is because i felt it before well just because you felt it before that's that's just um that's just a pattern it's just a repeated it's a habit almost um and yeah the i really think that um the two of them because on a base level, jujitsu is only movement and NLP is just communication. 
jujitsu is effective movement. NLP is effective communication. Now there's ethical questions of, um, oh, but people do it in sales and people do it in this and people do it in that. And oh, there are totally unethical um, people that do NLP. But there are also pieces of shit black belts. Uh, my job for me is to stay as ethical as within my integrity, like in both. So I wouldn't use jujitsu on somebody that couldn't defend themselves that I'm overpowering like a woman or um, not saying a woman can't defend themselves because my missus beats the life out of me <laughs> on the mat. But um, what I mean is, you know, using it, a woman who's drunk and I just take a fancy to her and I know jujitsu and I know for a fact that she's not stopping me doing whatever I want. Well, I wouldn't use jujitsu for that. I also wouldn't use NLP to um, do anything that that I honestly, truly believed wouldn't be empowering for the person with it. So saying you could, because you could take it the other way and you say, oh, you're excited. How do you know you're not nervous? You know, it was just that I said, oh, yeah, nervousness. You know, that, that bit that you feel before a competition. Well, I'm sure you've felt it going in to a training exercise but it's quite exciting in it and then everyone's like yeah it is and it kind of feels the same doesn't it and yeah it does and um you know you get those butterflies and your hands get a bit clammy and you feel your shoulders tighten and uh, you know you brace yourself for it and uh, yeah shit it's it's excitement not that's what NLP, that's where they fit together amazingly, is that sort of thing. Yeah, I've, um, I really wanted to pick your brains about it and I could talk okay. about it for, for, out, for hours with you. I <laughs> Sorry. Think. Uh, no, it's, it's really good, mate. And uh, it's quite enlightening, especially, especially for me as well, because, you know, um, going into doing what I'm doing, what, what I'd like to do when, when I leave. Um, <laughs> and it's is something that would play well with it, but also, you know, not from a selfish point of view, but I'm just really interested in those sort of things as well. That the whole, um, as I've got older, I find the mindset and people's perceptions and how, and the way that they look at the world is, is, is really interesting. And it, and it interests me quite a lot. Um, so, so yeah, within NLP, that's called, um, people's model of the world and um it can go quite deep into people's realities and um although this is happening now we've got very different experiences of it because i'm sat in my attic with you know this and i'm looking at three people on my screen two have got their abs out with a, a surfboard <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so our, our experience of this will be totally different, even though we've, it's the same thing. Um, but it's also shaped by our model of the world and our beliefs and our values and, um, and you know, that sort of thing. Um, and when you go into, like, change work, therapy and, and things like that, there's um there's a, a 
pillar that you you don't have to and this is a um a thing of rapport it's a um one of the building blocks of rapport is that I don't have to agree with your model of the world to respect it. I don't have to agree with it, but I do have to know that it's got you to here alive and well. So for that, I have to respect it and not just try and shit on it. Um, the place where, and I think it'd be really good I think you could do a lot of good with what you want to go into in the fact that I think all barbers should learn some of it. I think doctors should learn some of it. Nurses should learn some of it. Um, anyone that has to talk for or has to talk within their job to different people should learn some of it because like I don't have you spoken on the podcast about what you want to go into what you're looking to go into so I, I don't a, 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 little, a little bit but not okay. too much because it's not about me it's about you no it's, <laughs> it's the grumpy surfer podcast yeah um well you think that in that time that you're with these people other than you know the work on their body that you're going to be doing you're going to be talking to them now, why not learn how to talk to them in a way that can really change their life, really change their perspective, really broaden their map of the world? I think to do that is a noble thing. Just go in, and th this is why I mean, like the barber that I go to is, is a good mate of mine, but he went and did... Um, a men's mental health qualification because he's talking to different men all day, every day. Well, why wouldn't I want to, you know, if they're talking about, they're not, I can ask them like, oh, you know, is everything all right? And if they're saying something, I can talk to them and I've learned how to communicate with them in a way that they're not just going to, um, think oh yeah well i like my haircut that lasts for a couple of weeks but actually something he said to me five years ago stopped me from hurting myself or stopped me from really changed my perspective to where i'm i don't i didn't i walked out feeling like i had that i was giving something that i wasn't um that i wasn't useless and I get to do that with hundreds of people, or it was hundreds of people before lockdown. I got to do that with my favorite classes to teach are the kids' classes, because I don't just want to teach them jujitsu. I want to teach them good mental habits before they get old enough to pick up really shitty ones. And I feel that that's more important than teaching a kid how to do an armbar. Um, teaching them to defend themselves is super important, but defending themselves from the real negative self-talk that they're having. Self-defense is not cutting yourself. Self-defense is talking to yourself in a nice way. 
It's positive self-talk. It's saying, I can do this. It's, it's goal setting. It's goal achieving. It's not just throwing a triangle on a kid that's only been training half the amount of time as you and, and all of that. And I think if you were going to learn, I mean, I'll, I'll pass on some resources and stuff. But I think if you were, you saying that you're interested in it, I think going into what you want to do, having that as well will be real. You'll change people's lives as well as make them feel better physically for a bit. Because you know as well, you know as well that you're going to do work and you'll be like, you know, working on their, uh, working on them physically and giving them advice on what, not to do so that they get back into the same place. But you also know that the majority of those people will just do that anyway. Yeah. You know that a lot of people in the line of work that you're going to take are going to come to you, not for prevention, but for cure. I've hurt my back. So I'll go and see him. Not I've got a really good back. So I'm going to go and see him so that I keep having a really good back or you know bad shoulder or bad neck or bad anything they're going to come to you with issues well what happens when you hurt your back you're a grumpy fucker what happens when you've got a bad neck you're angry you know if you've got a sore knee you're moody so if you can help them get that you know, and get over the uh, the physical pain, but also give them strategies, offer suggestion for how they can live a more empowering life. I think you will um, you will do amazing. You'll do amazing, and the fact that you're interested in it as well will will be even better. Yeah, I'd appreciate if you if you sent those links because in the bio from the podcast, I'll, I'll I'll whack the links in the bottom, and then the people listening to this are interested in what we're talking about. Oh yeah, they're just books and stuff like that on uh, that you'll get on Amazon. Um, okay. Yeah, um, there's some that are really good. Uh, one's an introduction to NLP by Joseph O'Connor. That's really good. It's a really good book. Um, just things like that. There's some podcasts that you can listen to. Um, the thing with the two creators is they went off on very different paths. They like had a massive falling out and um, one's quite funny, but he's a bit out there. Um, and the other one is, um, he's a Richard Bandler who's the one who's a bit out there is a bit of a psycho, but he's a genius. He reminds me of, he's the, like a real high achiever that he's like, I think he's like got some sort of Asperger's or something where something's, you know, it's just like, well, yeah, of course you just do this. And everyone else that's like, it's like, well, it's black or white. Well, there's gray areas. No, there isn't. See the black or white. And they find a, sometimes they find a niche where they just excel. And that was what he had. And then there's John Grinder that's a bit more spiritually side. Um, 
So going either way, you'll miss out on the other half. I like Bandler because I think he's funny, but I also take what he says with a massive pinch of salt. He said that he was in hospital and he had like pancreatitis, pancreatitis, a problem with his pancreas. And they were saying, oh, we might have to take it out or a transplant or something like that. And he went, oh, it's okay. I'll just grow another one. (laughs) Well, yeah. And everyone's like, what are you talking about? And he turns around and he says, I've done it before. I can do it again. Well, yeah, technically you have done it before, but. You weren't like, that wasn't like any sort of thing that you did. Yeah. Just did it. And, and he's like, no, no, if I did it once, I can do it again. So yeah, he's a bit out there with it, but he does say some things where you're like, fucking hell, that's genius. <laughs> yeah. Mate, if you can send me those links, that'd be perfect. And like yeah, I, said, I will do. I'll, I'll whack him on the feed. Uh, mate, we'll wrap it up there. Yes. Um, dude, absolutely Love talking to you. Uh, I could talk to you for hours if I'm perfectly honest. And uh, well, I'll, come, I'll come down and we'll surf, and I'll have to bring Maya because otherwise she won't be happy. Yeah, mate, do it. Um, and uh, and we'll hook up and maybe do another one of these with loads of kids running around screaming. Definitely, that'd be awesome. Uh, Paul kids. Cole, thanks for coming on Grumpy Surfer Podcast. No, thank you for having me. Cheers, buddy. Appreciate it, mate. And that's it. If you're enjoying the podcast, please like, share and subscribe on your podcast provider and also follow The Grumpy Surfer on Instagram. Thanks for listening.